0: Hey there, everybody. This is Aaron from the True Discipleship Podcast. Hey, what you are listening to right now is a little bit different. It's something we've never done before and quite honestly, we'll probably never do again because we realize in hindsight, this isn't that great of an idea, uh, but we promised it. And so we are going to deliver to you. Basically, over the last few weeks, we have been doing a series called How to Find a Healthy Church. And this week, we said that we would release a super cut of all three previous episodes all streamed together into one. Now, We realize in hindsight, this is very counterintuitive because you could always just go back and listen to the old episodes. And because we live in the 21st century, all those episodes would just play one after the other. So I don't know what we're doing here, but uh, we did promise you that for the month of October, we would combine all of these into one episode. So maybe if you're a fan of freeform. Yeah, not free form, long form. Free form is the other thing. If you are a fan of long form podcasts, maybe you're on a road trip. You just want to hit play and uh, not there. You go. Pretend you know this way you don't have to look down at your phone. And uh, so, true discipleship podcast. We're keeping people safe every day. I'm just rambling now because I want to try to give you some sort of new content. When really I'm just about to give you old content. So uh, yeah, this episode is about to start. There's no fancy editing. This is the worst sales pitch for anything ever. Hopefully this isn't your first episode listening to us. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so this is just going to be the entire compilation of the entire How to Find a Healthy Church podcast uh, series. We hope that this is uh, good and informative for you. We hope that uh the the content of this episode compare together with whatever the holy Spirit with whatever excuse me the holy spirit is doing uh, inside of your heart and inside of your life already we hope that it's helpful we hope that it proves to be fruitful and uh, as always if you would like to connect with us we have a couple of different ways you can do that we would love to pray with you through these episodes and maybe if God sparked something in your heart we'd love to have further conversations so feel free to contact us uh our instagram actually got hacked man this is This is fun. This is uh, not how you do things well. But if you want to contact us, the best way to do it is through Facebook. Um, We are on there at True Discipleship Podcast. Uh, We would also really appreciate it if you would head over, uh, like, comment, and subscribe on our YouTube content over on, um, it's on YouTube uh, at True Discipleship Media Uh, search that up. You'll find all our videos there. We have some YouTube exclusive content. So you'll find plenty of things that aren't involved here, even on the podcast. Uh, Guys, we love you. Uh, Enjoy the series. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of The True Discipleship Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking all about the church. We're actually starting a three-episode series all about the church. What does the Bible say that it is? What does a healthy one look like? And more importantly, what should we do when we feel like we're in the middle of a church context that isn't healthy? We're going to talk about all of that and hopefully answer a bunch of your questions. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the True Discipleship Podcast. My name is Aaron.
1: And I'm Morgan. We're here. We're here.
0: We're back. We've uh, come back from a very long hiatus. (laughs) Uh, By this point, I'm assuming everybody can hear us. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even some of you can see us. We're trying out something brand new here. Uh, Don't think that we've been like gone just like twiddling our thumbs forever. We've actually been away (laughs) thinking about this podcast and uh, thinking about, man, what's it going to be like when we come back and what we like to do when we come back. And one of those things has been video. And so we're going to try this out. It's not great. We think it's going to get better, uh, but you got to start somewhere. and So I'm really excited to, to see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I knew we couldn't disappear for a year and not come back with a little bit more uh, pizzazz. And what
0: have you been doing this whole time? I don't know, eating Doritos? Oh, it's Actually, probably pretty accurate. We were
1: eating Doritos minutes before we started recording this episode.
0: My microphone literally smells like Doritos. But anyway, <laughs> uh, welcome back to the podcast. If you are joining us for the very first time, welcome. Uh, if you are back because you've been waiting for us to put something out for a long time, Time. uh good news good news good news i guess good news is that we're back but also even more good news hopefully you find this is good news is things are going to look a little bit different than how we've done them before i think before uh we were just trying to do too much
1: oh this is brand new information to me wait what do you mean what are you about to say
0: that we're doing shorter episodes oh that's not new information to you what do you think
1: i was i thought say? it was just going to be like the next three we're going to be short like is this like a forever thing
0: uh, we'll see if we can put out episodes this way. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, this will be the new method that works. But uh, basically what we're going to do is we are starting a three-part series today uh, that is all about the church. And the way we're going to release this is before – so, you know, the first time we, we did this, we were releasing like hour-long episodes every two weeks. Uh, what I actually think will work a little bit better is is what if instead we did uh, basically three 20-minute episodes that you will get weekly uh, with the plan of uh, week four – basically, so like the fourth week of October, uh, we would release all three in a packaged episode that'll be a little bit longer. Um, I also think that uh, whatever we end up publishing, as far as video goes, like with YouTube or anything, is probably going to be a little bit longer as well, because we're still trying to figure out editing and how all <laughs> that sort of stuff works. So uh, if you want bonus content, go and check out our YouTube channel. It'll be, uh, I guess, True Discipleship 2021, we haven't gotten that far. Or
1: just True Discipleship Podcast. True Discipleship podcast. podcast, yeah.
0: True Discipleship Podcast on YouTube. Um, and yeah, if you are currently listening to us, then you already know where to find the podcast. So we don't have to tell you anything about that. Um, but yeah, I think that's great. Do you want to you wanna hop into it? Sure. Let's just get... We're doing shorter episodes. We got to keep are, these things tight. You know, to, know what I mean? We yeah, can't, we have to like pack them. Yeah. Pack them really tight.
1: <laughs> so... Uh, we haven't even talked about what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. I, you did? I said it in
0: the intro. And you're not oh. listening. You have headphones on with my voice streamlined into your brain <laughs> hole, and you, you're still not paying attention to me. That's so sad. Uh, but yeah, we're doing this three, three part series um, on the church. And, uh, this is something that I think we know we want to talk about for a really long time. Like, I don't even know if you can see it, but there's like a whiteboard behind me in our office with like all the, uh, spoiler alert, all the episodes that we've been, <laughs> this has been up, I don't even know if the expo marker will like erase I off the board at this gonna point. I was literally going to
1: say, if anybody knows how to get dry erased marker off of a board that's been on there for over a year, uh, that's what we're going to need because that has been up there since we released episode 10.
0: Yeah. So we realized we released episode 10 close to over a year ago and- I feel like the church as a whole has been through a lot. (laughs) Yes. There's just been a lot of things going on um, in the church as a whole. And it's kind of, it's raised a lot of questions. It's created a lot of really good conversation. Um, And I think it's been pretty early on. That this is uh, something that we wanted to talk about. Um, like, full transparency mode. Like, I remember when we originally wrote this down, we were in that season of, like, uh, the news about, like, Robbie Zacharias had come out. And the news about Carl Lentz had come out. And, like, all of these, like, big-name pastors were kind of having this, like, fall from grace sort of thing. And obviously, uh, just because of the way that we operate as people is, like, we – yes, that was like an indictment on them, but also it seemed like a bigger indictment on the church as a whole. Um, and so, yeah, we just had a lot of really good conversation around that time. And I feel like it's something that we probably need to dive into a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. I hope we remember everything we talked about over a year ago.
0: I don't. I mean, there's still <laughs> plenty to say, cause we have not, we're not out of the clear yet. Right. Uh, so why are we having this conversation? Um, I think there's a couple of different reasons for me personally, uh, anybody who knows, kind of our life situation is I'm a a student ministry pastor. I work with middle school students. Um, But one of the most common questions that I get, especially uh, comes from um, high school seniors who are graduating and moving away for college. And they always say, man, how do I find a good church whenever I get to wherever it is that I'm going? And that's such a legitimate question. Cause like if you're a student, if you're in high school, middle school, like, you haven't had to pick a church for yourself I mean, well majority of people haven't right at least kind of in our context uh, yeah. so many people have like been kind of grafted into their church because oh this is where mom and dad go but they haven't had the decision of having to try to figure out for themselves like how do i find a church which is a skill it feels weird to call it a skill but it is like it's a it's a it's a there's a level of discernment that anybody who follows jesus needs to have in that process um, and so we got to explore and unpack what all that kind of looks like.
1: So I think from my perspective, like, yes, I, I volunteer within like student ministry and, um, am around students a lot. Um, I'm also around adults, probably just as much adults in the church. And, um, I think interactions with parents of students that we've led, um, women that I've just interacted with through different Like ministry opportunities at our church. Um, I've had what I would consider a significant amount of conversations around church shopping. And I think, I mean, for me, like I didn't church shop. Like I grew up at the church that I went to. And then when I was in college, I was invited to our church for the first time and i never i never had to shop like it it just it stuck um so when people talk about church shopping um i'm just like man this is like it was a it it was an unknown thing i didn't know church shopping was an option like i didn't know you could like go around and find like the perfect church um for yourself um and i think like there's also a layer of like hurt in me of like talking to somebody while they're in the process of church shopping and they walk into our church doors and they're like, yeah, I'm still in the process of church shopping. Mm. And I'm like, this is the best place ever. Like you're not going to find a better church than the one that you just walked into. Like, what do you mean you're church shopping? Um, so yeah, I, all in all to say we're coming from two different perspectives of how do I find a good church?
0: So I'm I'm curious kind of in these conversations that you have with people um, as someone who's not like super familiar with the idea of church shopping um, or church. I never knew if it was church shopping or church hopping. It's like pet smart, pet, pet smart. You know what I mean? I never knew which yeah. one of the two it was. Um, but as someone is, is talking to people who are in the realm of like church shopping, um, what, what is it that they're looking for? That do you feel, what seems to be the vibe from people who are like, Um, yeah, I just need something different. Like, what is the what are they looking for?
1: I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever like asked questions. I sort of freeze when people bring it up and I I never really pry. Um, I mean, church hurt, I'm sure. Like, if you come from a place of having been hurt in this one area of the church, you're probably looking to make sure the church is perfect in that area. Mm. Um,
0: Already, already, this conversation is probably already sparking a lot of things inside of people who you know around this topic or whatever. Because you know, at some point, a lot of people have had to make the decision of: Is this going to be the church that I go to? And I know for me, like growing up, the question was: Is like, do I even have to go to church if mm-hmm, I have a relationship yeah. with Jesus? You know what I mean? So, uh, some of that's probably going to pop up in people's heads, and I'm sure that's kind of leading them somewhere. But we are going to, you know, do what I think is probably best to do at, at, at all topics that we talk about here. Is we are first going to talk about uh, what is it that the Bible says the church is supposed to be um look like how is it supposed to operate all that stuff so we'll we'll get into that
1: So I think um, just a good place for us to start in the Bible is uh, in Hebrews. I mean, this is so good. We put it on a sweatshirt for our students. <laughs> um, so Hebrews ten twenty four through 26, uh, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near.
0: No, that's good. I, I really like in here how it starts off. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another towards acts of love and good works. Like there is such an intentionality in this verse Um, of like, I think sometimes we're just kind of like, oh, you know, when an opportunity comes up, do good, I'm going to do good. Or whenever there's an opportunity for me to serve somebody. No, like he's almost painting a picture here of saying like, hey, when you're at home by yourself, you should be thinking about your brothers and sisters at church in such a way of like, man, when I see them, this is how I'm going to encourage them. Um, And obviously like this is a time when they don't have technology and all this other stuff. But now like for me, I try to think like if somebody falls on my heart or falls on my mind uh, and I feel like God is telling me to encourage them in some way, like pull my phone out and do it right then, right there. Um, Because if not, I am prone to forget. Right. But then that's where the second part comes from. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together for him to say, let us not neglect this thing is like, it's so easy to just like go on the on the back burner, right? Yeah. Like this is before football Sundays or Thursday nights, right? Like we go to church on Thursday nights and there's football that comes on on Thursday nights. And he's like, listen, I know you probably feel like you have better things to do, but he's like, don't neglect this part of your life as some people do. (laughs) Uh, But instead, like, man, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He like doubles down. He's like, Jesus is coming back and you know that. Like, why would you waste time doing anything else? Like, you need to be a part of this community where you see amazing things happen. And I think one of the other passages that gets brought up all the time, like this one's like pretty important or, you know, I th- I think the reason why it gets brought up so much is because it really is like first mention of the church. Um, I would even argue that this verse is like uh, Hebrews. What is it? Hebrews 10? Uh, like. I think they were doing this in Acts already uh, in Acts chapter two. Uh, verse forty-two. Uh, you know, we we read about all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they, were uh, so I, I, I'm going to read this whole thing, and then we'll we'll kind of double down on it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, uh, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. I think that's so interesting because he like the, uh, Luke is the author of Acts, and he makes this distinction. He says all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So like these were two different things. Like they were devoted and sold out to the teaching of the apostles, which is ultimately the teaching of Jesus. So they were already like, Yeah, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do all the stuff that Jesus commanded me to, but also we're gonna have fellowship. And I feel like this is like directly talking to people who are like, Oh, I yeah, I can it's just me and God. I don't need to go to church.
1: Uh, yeah, when I hear that verse, I love that there are like faces that pop up in my mind of people that we go to church mm-hmm. with that I like automatically think of that live this verse out so well. They're like everything that I have is from God Mm. and they share so well. then I can think of people, not people in particular, but. Mm-hmm. Call I, them out, like some people. <laughs> like some people, people. <laughs> no, but I, I think it's like, I I can name probably on two hands the people, maybe one hand, uh, the people from our church that like pop into my, and granted, I don't know everyone that goes to our church, mm-hmm. but like in the circle of people that we know within our church. Because
0: um, we are at a large church. I think that's good for context, just the so people yeah, know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Mega church. yeah. Uh, but from the circle that we've met, I can think of a few people who live this out really well of everything is from God and I'm going to share it. And that makes me hurt and sad that they're considered the minority mm. in our church. Yeah. Like They're, they're the, above and
0: beyond. Yeah. They're the, they're the ones that may be a little too extreme. They might need to calm down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but like
1: they're the ones that are like living this out so well, and I find myself challenged. Like us as a family, like do we do we live this verse out? Do we offer like everything we have is from God, and so let's let's give out what what we can. Like let's mm-hmm. help people where we can. Um, yeah, the Bible is full of verses that challenge us It'll every day. It
0: <laughs> It'll do it to you. Hopefully, you know, kind of by the way that we've been talking about this, um, it's funny. I, like, when I read those passages, I always think about the church as the people. I'll be honest. That's not the way I always think about the church, mm-hmm. right? Like, I always think about, like, do you want to go to church? Like, it's a physical location. There's a building, an address that you go to. And um, But obviously, you know, Scripture is is totally different from that. It's just like, no, these are just a, it's a community of people who follow Jesus. and. This is what happens when they come together, right? That's what the church is. Um, so I think we need to, to to remember and recognize the church. Uh, it's the people. Mm-hmm. And the people, which are usually the parts that we don't like, <laughs> are necessary. You can have a church without a building. You yeah. can't have a church without the people.
1: Yeah. So I think something that, like a line that gets blurred sometimes is that idea of, the church is the people. Um, I think sometimes we look at the church as the building and then the people who are on staff, the people who are paid to be there. Mm. Like that is the church. And me as a member, as someone who attends this church, I'm saying, well, the church should do this. They should host this event or they should partner with this ministry or they should partner with this um What's that word? Where you raise money for good causes? Charity. Charity, yeah. <laughs> um, they should do this, or they should do that, and we forget that like we are a part of the church. Mm-hmm. And instead of like the church should do this, it should be we should do this. Yeah. Um, or
0: is it okay if I start this or lead this and invite other people into it?
1: Absolutely. Know? So I and in in that I I wonder like. How much responsibility do we have in our own churches when we see unhealthiness in our church? Do we have to point it out? Mm -hmm. And I would say the difference between a healthy church and an unhealthy church is if you go to someone who who is the church, not is the church, um, who is on staff, who is... Has
0: a position of authority in in, that
1: that body context. If you go to that person and you say, hey, I see this and it looks unhealthy and that is shut down, you are turned away. You can't talk about that. Ask to leave. Never say this again. I think that's a sign of an unhealthy church.
0: You should at least be able to come and voice your concerns and it be met in a respectful way of, hey, listen, that's a great idea. We are going to do that. Or if we're not going to do that, here's why we're not going to do that. And then like you're kind of walked through that process, not just like, oh, no, this is the way we've always done it and shut you down and, and all that other stuff. Um, but I think that's huge. Uh, I think that the big, the cure to I'm not happy at my church or church shopping slash church hopping is planning deep roots. It's understanding I'm not coming to this place for what right. they can do for me. I am here because first of all, these are, these are my people, right? Um, I don't mean to like shame anybody who this is the case for, but in all honest, like, <laughs> I know this is a gray area so i don't want to get super weird about it but like your church should be where you live Mm. i feel that's a fair thing right um because um hopefully your church is doing outreach to your community and hopefully your church is doing like partnering with your kids schools and um you know if you have a neighbor in your neighborhood who needs help around the house or something like that. Like hopefully you can call people from your church. who live relatively close by that can come and do that. Right. It's, it's hard to be a community when you don't live in the same community. Can we just, yeah, yeah. just say that that's that. So, um, So, yeah, so I think that's a big part of it, but I think that we have to be able to plant deep roots to say, hey, listen, this is like the church I attend. I'm going to serve this church and I'm going to actually bring things to that community and not just expect them to give to me all the time. I'm not just going to be a consumer. I'm actually going to be a a contributor, Um, not to what First Baptist So Ever is doing, but. I say that because it's generic enough. There's like 800 first baptists, (laughs) um, but not because of like what this particular church is doing, but no, because of what the kingdom wants to do in my neighborhood, like what God wants to do where I live. I want to partner with other people and I want to take over our town, man. I want us to do things that, that actually make a difference and that actually change the world of people around us. But as long as you go into each church saying, well, what do you guys have? What do you have? What do you have? And you do look at it with that checklist mentality. You're never going to find somewhere that you, quote unquote fit. And maybe you will, but I would argue that that may not be a healthy church. (laughs) Um, I understand like we all have seasons where we need to be fed, right? We all have those times where we are empty and we need to be poured into. Hmm. But even in that, like when people come around you and they they encourage you, are they encouraging you to get back in the game? Or are they just saying, nope, we're just going to coddle you each week and You know, you can go to that same small group where you bring that same sin struggle up over and over and over again, but you never receive any sort of victory or live the abundant life at all. Like you're just going to kind of keep going through the motions or do we go to a place where somebody will let's let's look back at it. Right. Hebrews chapter uh, 10, where people will motivate you towards acts of love and good works. Is that what we're inviting people into what we're being invited into Um, And then are we helping to make our churches become those sorts of environments?
1: Uh, So as you were talking about um, first Baptist here and there and like living in that community, I couldn't help but think about like uh, the passage in Corinthians where it talks about like the church as the body Mm -hmm. and how there are all these different body parts and they all work together. And it's almost like, there's multiple bodies going on it's like all of our churches together working as like the body of christ for the sake of the kingdom so like first baptist the head and first Mm -hmm. baptist the toe and first baptist the elbow
0: that's how they should start differentiating themselves (laughs) then i'd know which one was actually first
1: first baptist of the elbow (laughs) your first
0: toe or second toe
1: um but i think about that and how like all of these churches like if we could just and take a step back; could work together so well mm-hmm. as as a body. Um, but then on this like second level, when you go into that church, how that church is working like a body? How there's a head and a neck and mm-hmm. an elbow and a toe, um, and just how well our bodies work. I'm, I mean, barring like any like illness or right. thing like that, but like um, you know how your neck so like. Is so good at supporting your head, mm-hmm. or how like if you didn't have your big toe, you couldn't balance. So like I would probably go to the first Baptist at the big toe because like that seems pretty important. Pretty know? important. Um, Don't get no love. Not not that we're playing favorites here, but um, yeah, like just as you were talking about that, like I um, I never want like someone to downplay like the role that they're playing. In their church yeah. or that their church is playing in the kingdom um, because they feel like the pinky toe yeah. or they feel like a fingernail yeah. on a hand. Yep. Um, never downplay that part that you're playing within your church.
0: Yeah. And I think don't neglect the part that your church plays in the larger church body, right? Like I think so many times we're like, oh, well, we need to do this like this and this like that church and so-and-so church down the street is doing this really well. I, I was having a conversation with somebody not too long ago and um, we're we're in like the the triangle, the RDU. And so like obviously like one of the biggest churches out here is Elevation. And I was having a conversation with somebody and they were like, oh, well, Elevation, they, they reach young adults so well. Like, how come our church isn't reaching young adults in the same way? And I was like, do we have to? (laughs) <laughs> if there's a church right down the street that's reaching these people really well, like do we have, right? And so, um, I know obviously people are going to have their opinions about elevation and about every any, I literally could have listed any church that I wanted to. And somebody <laughs> would have something Baptist to say about it. First Baptist of the big toe is doing this really well. would be like, Oh, well I heard first Baptist of the big toe. Don't clean their toenail. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I'm using it as an example, right? Think about this in the context of wherever it is that you're listening to this from. Like there may be churches like I grew up in New Orleans and there was a church there who was crushing college and young adult ministry. They were doing so well that other people couldn't start college and young adult ministries because this other church was doing okay. And there were so many churches that were getting butthurt about that and saying like, oh, man, well, if we could do what they were doing, it's like they're doing it.
1: What would it look like if you could support that church? Yes. Like, hey, we have college and young adult students. Hey, let's send them over there. Yes, like let's let's take off the names of the big toe and the elbow and the neck and and just start working together. Like, how awesome could like a college and young adult ministry look like if we like teamed up?
0: Yeah, man. I think I think that's the type of partnership that needs to happen. That's what now we're we're getting back into scripture again. Uh, All believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. Yeah. These are people now. Right. We're not talking about possessions. But but in this scenario that I just shared, our church wasn't like, no, this family belongs to our church. And we got to, you know, either pacify this desire that God's put in their heart or try to find some way to give them some whack version of what it is they're looking for. No, said, listen, you're a part of the church and the church is bigger than us. So take what you have and share what you have.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, are you trying to further the name of your church? Or are, you are you preaching? Or are you trying to further the kingdom you of god
0: preaching now <laughs> you done messed up and started preaching we said this was going to be 20 minutes i'm sure we're over 20, <laughs> 20 minutes already and then you just go ahead and, and open that can
1: it's sorry no that's
0: good <laughs> hey listen let's give the people what they paid for uh nobody's paying for this um but let's go into <laughs>
1: i thought you were gonna say but if you want we no, can put a link hey, in the show notes <laughs>
0: listen i'll uh, give my venmo freely check <laughs> check out my venmo in the in the show notes just kidding that's probably not safe All right, so there's a chance that when we release episode four at the end of October, it's going to be like four hours long because we're just going to end up going long for all of these. But it's it was all good.
1: that whole year of making 45 minute episodes. That's it, man. We can't shake it. We've been
0: sitting on this one topic for a year and now we're finally talking. And this is why we need to release episodes more frequently.
1: Okay, we're <sighs> here. Sorry. I mean, Wait. yeah, I don't know. I'm not getting
0: angry at you. I'm mad at myself because I'm having so much fun and I wish we would have kept this going. But yeah. So now we get to the point. Uh, this is what you were known for. The practical, practical
1: application. Practical I feel like it should have its own little like do 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 Or I should like no, <laughs> sing song practical application. Practical application. With more game. Nobody you. asked to hear um, us sing. No.
0: Right it, now somebody hasn't been paying attention the entire episode. <laughs> and now they're like what in the world.
1: <laughs> is this an ad?
0: Is this an ad? <laughs> practical application. Check out NordVPN or whatever. <laughs> We're not sponsored. Um, that
1: is a very practical application to have on your computer.
0: <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> practical applications. Have you tried Netflix? No, I don't know. That was dumb. You made a better <laughs> joke and then I ruined it. Okay. Practical application. Yes. What are our takeaways? So we've we've kind of covered a lot of stuff. Um, we've, we've kind of danced around the idea of what is a healthy church? What does a healthy Jesus community look like? Um, but yeah, let's, let's answer that question concrete for the person who is like in the middle of the church shopping process
1: or church hopping
0: or church hopping. What, what does a healthy church look like?
1: Uh, Bible based teaching, Mm -hmm. which we're going to have a whole nother episode on that
0: yeah I, I think our next episode is going to be about the preacher or the pastor however you want to call him um but yeah we're going to get we're going to dive deep into that which please if you haven't heard that yet uh the reason why we haven't have talked about it yet is because we are going to have a more in-depth conversation about that because that's if not we would still be talking about it
1: <laughs> this be a two hour long episode
0: yep so number one make sure the church is bible-based
1: yeah and i i think maybe we don't even zoom into bible-based teaching because that is another episode, but Bible based. Like, I mean, we went to scripture Mm. and we said, here's what the church should look like. If you have any doubts about if your church looks like what a church should look like, I would consult the scripture on which the first church was founded.
0: No, that's great. Let Acts, let Hebrews be kind of a litmus test. For the church, like, do I see these things? How, is this the type of community that I'm walking into?
1: Yeah, so I shouldn't have said Bible-based teaching as my first practical application. We should have just stopped at Bible-based. No, that's good. And your church, your people, your preaching pastor, like, it should all look like what the Bible said it should look yeah, like. Yeah, that's
0: really good. Uh, I think one of the other ones that we hit on that's really important is you are allowed to ask questions. I mentioned at the top of the episode that a lot of times I have high schoolers come to me when they're about to go to college and, like, how do I find a good church? Um, usually the first thing that I would tell them is go to a church that allows you to ask questions. And the reason why I say that is because for a high school or going into college, you are going into a world that is going to challenge everything you believe in, right? So you, I believe that that's a time and a period of your life, if not maybe a little bit earlier, when you really start wrestling with your faith and you really start dealing with doubts, Um, usually the students that ask me this question are the ones who have been around church for a really long time and grown up around church. And it's not until you leave home that like everything that you thought was normal and real and all this stuff gets challenged for the first time. So if you're getting bombarded with questions and you feel like there are questions rising up in your soul and you don't have a healthy place to ask those questions without being reprimanded, man, you're going to struggle. So, you know, um, Again, there was kind of a phrase I used earlier that was like, Oh, this is the way we've always done it. Like, I I don't wanna go to a church that does it the way that we've always done it, right? I wanna go to a church that's um, like I said, obviously Bible based and is, is has a firm foundation in which they stand. However, uh have a church that's being able to to address things of like, Hey, why don't we talk about this topic more? Or um and again not in an aggressive way, but like in a genuine I'm asking, right? Um, or Hey, I'm having doubts about my faith. What do I do with that? Like if you tell somebody that and you're met more with judgment than you are with love and with concern and with someone who's willing to disciple you through those things, then I would argue that that's not a a church you want to be a part of.
1: Our last practical application is that you, you know, this is a healthy church if you're being fed, but there are also spaces for you to serve and Mm -hmm. contribute to your church.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so huge. Um I think there are certain churches who have a quote unquote like level of ex I said quote unquote you can't just say that. I have never heard anybody actually say that, but like I've experienced churches and seen churches who are like oh well, we just have such a high level of excellence that like you can't be on our worship team unless you're like this or you can't um share the gospel like you can't be a small group leader unless you fit this criteria or you can't you know what i mean like don't get me wrong there should be standards i firmly believe that um however if you go to a church and every time you try to to serve like it feels like it's being really protected by the staff and they're like oh no this is this is our baby and we don't want to let you touch it or else you're going to mess it up that's that's no man. That's, I
1: have such a hard time imagining that in my head. As someone saying, "You can't serve here." I feel like I our church is like, "Please come serve I if don't, you need to serve." I don't think it sounds serve. like that.
0: I don't think it sounds like, "Oh, you're not good enough to serve." I think it's more of like, "Oh, well, let's train you up," and the next thing you know, you're like the next year or two, you're being trained up into like fit their image of what the ideal volunteer would be, as opposed to just like, "Oh, you're ready and willing." Let's get you in the game. And then we will walk alongside you through that. Right. Yeah. So so this is it. Right. Like uh, uh, Ephesians chapter four verses starting at verse 11. Um, it says that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. This was their purpose, not to build their own glory like you alluded to earlier, not to build up First Baptist of the Toe. <laughs> that has got to be a t shirt. Uh
1: first Baptist of the Big Toe.
0: First Baptist of the Big Toe. Uh, but he gave all of these people to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Uh, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. Uh, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So he's saying here, even in like the offices that God has appointed the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, the teachers, all this stuff, their purpose is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Mm. So I'm going to give you what you need so you can go out and be the church. That should be the purpose. And and so again, that's, that's just kind of one of those litmus test things that you compare uh, the community that you were going to, or you're considering being a part of, to Scripture, and then see where it's going to go. So we we hit a lot of ground there, but what were what were our three? Our three <laughs> signs of a healthy church?
1: Uh, it is Bible-based, you're allowed to ask questions, you are being fed, but there are also spaces for you to contribute and serve.
0: That's right, you're being fed, but you're not getting obese. You're yep. not just...
1: You're being fed and you get to feed.
0: Yes, that's right. You're being poured into so that you can pour out.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the True Discipleship Podcast. We're in a series that we've been calling How to Find a Healthy Church, and this week we're in episode two of that series, and we're calling it Does Your Pastor Make the Cut? We're going to be diving into some scripture that tells us what expectations we should have of our pastor, and we're going to have a conversation about do we have our own expectations that we've developed that we place on our pastor that aren't biblical, and are there biblical expectations of a pastor that we aren't even asking of? them we're super excited for this conversation and we're super excited that you decided to come and hang out with us again let's get into it
0: Hey everybody, and welcome back to the True Discipleship podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm Morgan. And uh, special shout out to everybody who is watching us online at YouTube.com right now.
1: <laughs> Why did you have to say dot .com?
0: <laughs> www.youtube.com. You forgot
1: the HTTPS.
0: HTTPS. Cole. Oh man, back. we're so glad that you guys are here. We are back on YouTube again. If you're like YouTube, what are you talking about? We're
1: on YouTube now. We
0: are on YouTube now. <laughs> you can check us out over at True Discipleship Media on YouTube, go ahead over there and hit the subscribe button. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, what are you doing?
1: It's right at the bottom of the video. You don't even have to leave this video, you can just subscribe.
0: Well, if you're listening to the podcast, you do have to oh, go to www.youtube.com, <laughs> uh, search True Discipleship Media, and then you click the subscribe button. Uh, and let me tell you, man, I used to get really annoyed when I would watch YouTube videos and people would be like, you'd like to subscribe, click, and all this other stuff. But man, it, That stuff is is YouTube gold. Like if you want anybody other than your mom and your dog to see your content, you need people to subscribe and a like and a comment. And so, uh, yeah, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you would have done it by now, you'd be done by now. I love it. There you go. (laughs) Uh, If you are listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, welcome back. We're so glad you're here. Please leave a uh, honest review for us. But honestly, if you give me five stars, that'd be great Uh, because that too- helps us reach more people but i uh, just
1: want to we we should say thank you to yeah. everybody who has already subscribed we um, should
0: you're right yeah yeah
1: so thank you to our 18 youtube subscribers as of right now which is exciting that like it's is really exciting. 18 more than i ever thought we would actually 16 more because me you <laughs> 15 right. more i have two email accounts that oh, I subscribe. <laughs> we're just going
0: to keep making email <laughs> accounts and keep subscribing to our channel
1: um so yeah thanks to everybody who's like stuck along with us i know like we disappeared for a while we came back and like we still have people who are here liking our stuff on instagram yeah. listening to us on spotify like it's just been awesome it has
0: been it's been really encouraging so thank you for that Well, if you were here last week, we started a new series all about what does it look like to find a healthy church, and this week, we're going to be continuing that conversation talking about the pastor, Um, and this is a fun one. I think this is going to be a good conversation. Um, I'm really excited about it, but I have to admit, I am a little bit biased. Uh, I am a pastor, (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) So I know. So for me to talk a ton into this conversation would seem a little bit biased and it's probably not the the healthiest way to go about this. Uh, So really, Morgan, I want to hear a lot from you this episode um, because I'd love to get some of your perspective and kind of how you want to speak into that. Um,
1: Can I also just say that you said this is a conversation and I think if there's anybody who's come with us in the second wave of like almost restarting the podcast and starting YouTube that this is a conversation starter. Mm. This is not the conversation end all be all. That's we great. know yep. all the truth and you must live and die by our words. We would very much love for you to live and die by the words in the Bible that yes. Jesus gave to us. Um, yeah. So conversation starter.
0: That's fantastic. And
1: it's also to get me off the hook for if I say anything wrong. That is also a or, good word. Yeah. So don't trust me on everything. That's like, right. Th- this really is how we're interpreting um, scripture and the calling of a pastor and we can be wrong because we're human
0: that's very true that is all very true all right morgan so i want to give you a couple of rapid fire questions to get into this thing okay i'm just going to kind of spit them your way and i want to know what please don't spit (laughs) that's what the little sponge mouth guard (laughs) thing is for okay when you hear the word pastor what comes to mind for you
1: i think of someone who is in a position to teach and care for a group of people
0: a follow-up question <laughs> do you put them in that order do you think teach first and then care for me second
1: equal like hand okay. like they go together mm-hmm. i think they're both equally important
0: okay cool that's good to know um that's great. You even <laughs> mentioned you growing up in church. That's kind of what you think about it. But let's 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 zoom out a little bit. Let's think about people who don't normally attend church, and let's see kind of what, what you think they would say, right? Like, let's say we could take these microphones out onto the street, and we could ask people, hey, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just thought about us carrying all this equipment out. This is not a very mobile setup. <laughs> it
1: so. is not. I was also thinking about the sound quality of being oh. outside, and you just hear like every. <laughs>
0: that's what it would sound like
1: every leaf rustle yeah. <laughs> okay anyways um, i'm on the street and i'm talking you're on to the people.
0: street you're talking to people and you ask them hey when i say pastor what's the first word that comes to mind first of all let me ask you this do you expect a pleasant answer or a more aggressive answer mm,
1: i think i'm a pessimist in some sense that i would probably receive more of like a an aggressive,
0: be more scared for an aggressive answer. Yeah. Okay. So, what? How would they? That would be their tone. But what would they say?
1: Um, they just want my money. Unauthentic, is that a word? Mm. Um, yeah,
0: disingenuous. Disingenuous. Maybe. I
1: didn't yeah. know if I should put in or un. Okay. In front of authentic, inauth, unauth, inauthentic, in,
0: inauthentic. inauthentic. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. We know what you meant. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I think that if you were to go back. 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, I love when people do that. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. That's a really ninety, maybe large 100, range. Maybe 100, 110, 120. You, <laughs> you could go. Hold... 20 to 120 years ago. Like that's <laughs> such a big range.
1: You could go back to 2001 and life looks so much different than it does now.
0: That was 21
1: years ago. Stop. <laughs> yeah.
0: Think about that. Um, okay. So let's say we go way, 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 way back. Let's say 99. And <laughs> you would ask people on the street, uh, you just say the word pastor like you do a word association game. I think a lot of them like the person that comes to mind for them is like a Billy Graham, right? Mm-hmm. Some guy uh, really charismatic, um, really kind of loud. Uh, I just imagine him with a Bible over his hand or over his head. Um, kind of larger than life, uh, really good communicator. Um, dresses old school. So three piece suit, you know what I mean? Has the tie and all that sort of stuff, um, and is proclaiming the gospel, right? Uh, maybe a, a slightly less aggressive version of the Turner Burn message, but is definitely letting me know that um, there's a heaven and a hell, and I have a make I have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was Billy Graham. I think if you were to go out and ask that question now, let's say you go out and ask millennials that question. Um, probably different people are going to come to mind now, right? I mean, you have people who are, um, uh, they kind of exist in the upper echelon of this like church culture, um, but they are not, um, I mean, celebrity is the word that we're talking about, right? Mm. Celebrity pastors. These are people who, they're kind of a household name, even outside of um, Christian circles, people know who they are, right? So I would think probably, Maybe Stephen Furtick would fall into that category. Uh, Carl Lentz probably falls into that category. Like he got a lot of notoriety for being like Justin Bieber's pastor. Judah Smith kind of falls into that category. I don't know. Any other ones that you think of that come to mind for you off the bat?
1: You forgot good old Joel.
0: Joel Osteen (laughs) yes Joel yes uh okay no Joel's probably like the guy right
1: he kind of um like transcends that like late Billy Graham era to early celebrity pastor era because he's he's
0: not cool
1: he's been around (laughs) for (laughs) can we say that I don't think so I think that's mean
0: like Joel Osteen would never be on preachers and sneakers is what I'm saying
1: (laughs) could you imagine
0: uh, but yeah, no, I think you're right. He's he's kind of like the one that's in the middle of those two older and younger generations. All probably know who he is. Uh, I mean, what was it Your Best Life Now is like a New York Times bestseller. Like everybody had a copy of that book. Because for me, I would imagine if you go up to somebody on the street, not a part of church circles, and you say the word pastor to them, like you said, probably wants my money. Like I'm thinking televangelist. I'm mm-hmm. thinking um, Kenneth Copeland. Jesse the Planist. These are the like jets. I, I want a jet, guys. Um, Mike Murdoch was a really big one for me growing up. I don't know if you ever saw Mike Murdoch stuff. There's that guy who tries to sell like miracle water to people. So like kind of hokey, you know what I mean? Like uh, looking for a tax break. That's kind of the thing that that we're looking for. But 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 despite that, right? Despite if they are famous or infamous, wh- wherever they fall on that scale, do you think there should be such a thing as a celebrity pastor?
1: Rapid fire answer, no. Okay. If I can explain myself, maybe.
0: (laughs) It's a good thing you got a podcast. (laughs) I would love to hear this explanation.
1: I think even in the categories that you've mentioned or the names that you have mentioned, we can see these like two scenarios play out. So I don't think someone who is a pastor and has set out to make their name known or their name great Mm -hmm. to achieve that celebrity pastor status is a healthy pastor. Like, no that no. Like just no. (laughs) We'll stop (laughs) it at that. If a pastor is set out on people knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus, being a follower, like living a life of discipleship, then and in as a result of that happens to like become famous. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much control they have over that. So if their mission is, I want people to love Jesus, and people start to recognize their name or their face, like, what control do they have over that?
0: That's fair. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of, like, of the names we've mentioned. Like, I think
0: Francis Chan is probably an example of that. Mm, He's the type of guy that, to me, it doesn't feel like he tries to build his brand or build his kingdom, but...
1: People know his name.
0: Yeah. And he's a draw, like if he's at a conference, he's a draw, people wanna see him.
1: Absolutely, so yeah, in my like maybe answer, it depends on your motivation. Mm-hmm. If your motivation is for people to know and love Jesus, then if you happen to become famous and as a byproduct of that, then I don't think you had much control over that. Um, and I don't think it has the capacity to take away from you continuing to spread the word of Jesus if you let it get to your head, if you Mm. let it seep in. Mm -hmm. um, Is there
0: any safe way to like combat that though? Do you think?
1: Call Mr. Chan, Pastor Chan. (laughs) Um, I think to turn this to us, Mm -hmm. um, of this like creation of celebrity pastor, um, how much responsibility do we have in creating celebrity pastors or celebrities in general? Like people aren't famous unless we... Are mm. obsessed with them
0: <laughs> that is very true it's uh, icky, it makes
1: you feel icky on the inside.
0: No, that is very true. I mean, I think about do you put do you put pastors on pedestals? Do you ever think that way?
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: I know for me this is gonna sound really weird, but like as someone who like works in the church world who like is a pastor. Like, I know for me, there are certain pastors who I'm like, I want to have this person's phone number on my phone one day. Like, (laughs) that's just the thing. Like, I want to be friends with this person. And I don't know if my motivation is right or not, if I'm completely honest. Like, I think it would be cool. I would love to sit around and geek out and nerd out over biblical conversation about different topics with these people. But is that totally my motivation? Or do I just want to be a part of their circle or what they're doing?
1: But I think we have a responsibility of not putting pastors on pedestals like not creating that celebrity status mm-hmm. i think it's in in us that we we put them on pedestals i think about um so you and i go to the passion conference every year yeah. and when they release that list of we're already signed up and mm-hmm. then they release the list of names um and we're like oh my goodness like levi Lusco, christine kane sadie robertson huff like all these people are going to be there we're so excited to go see them and what i think those speakers do and what passion does so well is that you show up wanting to like bump into one of those speakers in the <laughs> hallway magically becoming best friends with sadie robertson huff hypothetically um, speaking hypothetically speaking That's something
0: you've <laughs> dreamed about
1: um, I've totally imagined us running into each other at the passion <laughs> conference multiple times. Like, she's just one of those people you just want to be friends with. But like, here I am creating a pedestal. Like, she's so pretty, and she like wears really nice clothes, and look how happy her family is. And I've like, look at all of these like additional levels. Sounds like
0: a celebrity to me. Sounds
1: like a celebrity, sounds like someone I want to be friends with. So, like, we do it. We like we we put people on this pedestal, and I'm like, I'm going to passion so that I can be friends with Sadie, or like I can hear her speak Mm -hmm. and the great thing that she does that all the other speakers um from passion do and passion as like a movement does is we walk away every year like dang I need Jesus. Yeah. I wanna grow in my relationship with Jesus. I
0: came for fill in the blank. I left knowing a greater need for Jesus. And I think that's the thing. I I think that is like the crux of the conversation. What it does boil down to though is When I listen to this person, when I see this person, when I read their books, when I do any of that stuff, does it make me fall more in love with Jesus or does it make me fall more in love with them? Mm. And I think that is the key, right? And then usually you can tell from their presentation which one is more important to them. You know, if we were to look back to last week's episode about church shopping and church hopping and all mm-hmm. that stuff, like people do get attracted to certain styles of teaching and certain communicators. And like even at churches with multiple speakers, people have their favorites, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just call a spade a spade. Um You're
1: my favorite speaker at our church. Oh, thanks. Um <laughs> Don't but <tell> the others.
0: <laughs> but um so what ends up happening is is there there are pedestals that exist, whether we want them to or not. The question is is who gets the bigger one? You or Jesus?
1: Mm.
0: That's the question, right? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're going to kind of, we've, we've gotten a little off <laughs> off kilter, but we're going to focus it back in and we're going to stop just sharing our opinion and our thoughts. We're going to look at what the Bible says, the qualifications for a pastor should be because we, we listed all these people who we really enjoy and who we like listening to and seeing and all this other stuff. But how often do we think, is this person qualified to do what they're doing? Mm. Do they meet the biblical qualifications? Uh, we're going to talk about that and then we're going to get into, well, how do we prevent um Pastor worship probably the most accurate praise for it. Yeah. Yeah. How do we prevent pastor worship? Let's talk about it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and hop into scripture. Uh, What does the Bible say that uh, the qualifications of a pastor are? And there are two main passages that people often come to to find this. Uh, Both of them are written by Paul. Both of them are written to uh, younger guys who are serving their local church. They are leaders in their church. Um, The first one is in Titus, uh, and then we get one again in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, So, Morgan, will you go ahead and read uh, Titus 1, 6 through 9 for us, and then I'll go ahead and read the 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. There's a lot of overlap. uh, Mm -hmm. So maybe for the sake of conversation, you pay attention when I read, and I pay attention when you read, and I (laughs) I think we'll catch some good stuff in there. All right.
1: An elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong.
0: And we also have first Timothy three, one through seven says, this is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely and give I'm sorry. And have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome and not love money. He must manage his own family. Well, having children who respect and obey him for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must be a new believer. I'm sorry, must not be a new believer uh, because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Um, Really quick, as we talk about the idea of celebrity pastors and stuff, I think at the end there in verse six, really, really stands out. Right. A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. I think the big thing with celebrity culture is like being known in and of itself is not a bad thing, but it's when that level of pride wells up inside of you to where you think, man, I'm so great. I'm so good. People like anywhere I go, I draw a crowd. Um, we, we, are growing faster than any of the churches grown yada 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 oh by the grace of god right we always have to throw that in there so that it makes it seem like so it's oh biblical. no I'm, yeah I'm, I'm really humble you know <laughs> by the grace of god we did this and this and this and that um because we work really hard but by the grace of god it got done um so yeah i just think that's really interesting but is there anything in there that that stands out to you
1: uh i I'm pretty sure I knew this was in uh, the tightest passage, but I think now with like the phase of life that we're in slash will be entering soon, it feels like it hits more close to home.
0: Potentially entering into soon. You made it sound like. Yeah.
1: No, we are no making any announcements. (laughs) No, no. Um, this is going to be the part about children, but no, there is no current plan for children. Um but I just want to make sure that you're still going to be qualified to be a pastor once we have (laughs) children. Um, And that is where he says that his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. And I'm like, Oh no, Aaron's not going to be able to be a pastor anymore. (laughs) You
0: think we're going to have wild rebellious kids?
1: I don't know. It's like a, you don't know
0: who was it from the old Testament. I forgot who it was, but they were like, he was a wild donkey of a man. That's how they described him when he was born. I can't remember who that was, but yeah, that's gonna be our, it's gonna be our kids. <laughs> no, that is super interesting, right? Because I think PKs have like such a reputation.
1: Pastor kids. Yes. <laughs> we can't use abbreviations. <laughs> Sorry. I think a
0: lot of people know what that means, but yeah, I think like pastors' kids definitely have a reputation of being like the most rumbunctious, the most rowdy ones, and all that other stuff. So that's interesting that that is in there, right? What do you say to that? Like, how do you, how do you think about that process? That should it be in there? Is it too harsh of a qualification to have? Is it?
1: No, because, I mean, he later goes on in this passage and the other one that says, um, like, if he can't manage his family well, then how will he Mm -hmm. manage is probably not a good term. But, like, if he's not pastoring his children and his family well, then how will he then pastor a church? Yeah. So I think it's like.
0: So do you think, like, an elder board has grounds if a pastor has kids who's misbehaving? Like, the pastor drops their kids off at children's ministry every week, and that kid's in there starting fights. Can that, can the elder board say, hey, listen, your your kids are out of control, man. We gotta gotta hit the bricks.
1: Is that only for, like, teaching pastors?
0: I don't know, sir, for any pastor. I mean, there's no, in here it's talking about elders and overseers and deacons.
1: There are some people that would be (laughs) disqualified. I can't say that. (laughs) I have, I have met. It's pastor's kids the way it
0: is, man. They're around the building 40 days out of, 40
1: 40 days. (laughs) Four days
0: out of seven every week. And then they show up and like, I don't want to be here for the third service. (laughs) And then, yeah, they start fires in the corner or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's, so this is, this is what I'm getting at. And this is the reason why I think it's so important for us to have this conversation, right? We look at today's culture and we look at kind of these black and white cases that come up all the time of pastors who were fired let go of their positions for numerous reasons right
1: but you haven't seen anybody in the news lately like this pastor let go because his child burnt down the church
0: exactly right well you don't well okay think about this one for example right uh in here there's a spot that says uh he must enjoy having people over in his home okay another translation puts it hospitable um which i would say or, or maybe two different things. Like, I think you can be hospitable without having people in your home. I think that, um, I had somebody describe it to me one time as, like, being hospitable is making someone feel at home wherever you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, there are all sorts of situations, right? Some pastors are part-time pastors on staff, and they don't live, you know, in their own place. Maybe they room with somebody and so they can't have people over so that doesn't disqualify them but the question becomes like are you hospitable wherever you are right Mm -hmm. so i say all that i heard this story one time i'm not gonna list names because this is a secondhand story that i heard i don't know if it's accurate or not but there was a pastor who is a quote-unquote celebrity pastor who was uh, flying to go and speak at some conference. And he goes to get into his like rental car that was like, you know, set up for him to bring him to the venue or whatever. And before he gets in, uh, whoever travels with him gets into the car first and says to the driver, hey, listen, so-and-so is about to get in the car. Uh, if you do ever refer to them, you refer to them as pastor this. Um, but don't ask any personal questions like if you can avoid speaking to him unless being spoken to uh, and I remember hearing that, and I'm like, that does not sound hospitable at all, right? Mm. But we would net well, I can't say we would never, but if that, if the driver of that car went to the elder board of that church and said, hey, this is what happened, the truth is that that pastor probably would be defended by his elder board and saying, oh, well, you know, he's a busy guy and yada, yada, yada. How many churches would say, oh, we need to, <laughs> you don't meet the qualifications of a pastor, right? So it's interesting to me because I always try to figure out, like, where is... The line, I guess, like at what point do you say you you can't be a pastor here anymore or you can't lead people in a spiritual capacity anymore? I mean, what do you what do you think about that?
1: I think we just have a tendency to weigh things more important than the other in every scenario mm. of life. And I think there there are things in this passage that we as people feel are more important. Than the other, Mm -hmm. um, there are also things that are probably easier to measure from the outside looking in. Mm. Um, like we can see their children and -hmm. how they behave, but also we can only see their children and how they behave outside of the home. Right. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, we don't know how this pastor is leading their family at Mm -hmm. home. Um, so I think we gravitate towards the, the qualifications that we can measure, that we can see, mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, like, if you can't see it, how do you measure it, mm. for one? Um, and it almost feels like we're doing damage control sometimes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll focus on like, the really, really important ones. Well, as long as they're not Mm -hmm. xyz then we don't have to put as much weight on these other ones um but i think what something that stood out to me i believe it was in titus um yeah it was like he must live a devout and disciplined life and then continues he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught i think if jesus if god has called you to be a pastor he's going to He's given you that gift mm-hmm. of being a pastor. Um, I'm not saying everything in this list is going to come naturally. Like, hey, you've called to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. You're automatically going to be hospitable and want to have people over at your house every single night. But I think in that devout and disciplined life and that strong belief in the trustworthy message, like if you're living into God has gifted me these things mm. and I I trust that message, I trust like, and I am disciplined and devout, yeah. then we're going to see all these things.
0: That's really good. I think you're hitting into something key there. I think all of these things, if we're not careful, these will all become cosmetic. Mm. But they're not cosmetic.
1: No, it's your heart.
0: These are all integrity and character-based things, right? Um, So, I mean, let's just walk through uh, the, which one am I? I'm in the First Timothy passage, right? Let's just walk through that really quick. Uh, He must have a life that's above reproach, okay? Uh, He must be faithful to his wife. This is not a behavioral thing. It is behavioral. It manifests itself in a behavioral way. But really, it shows a lot about what's this next thing. He must exercise Mm self-control and live wisely and have a good reputation, right? So these aren't just like, oh, people have to think so-and-so is holier than thou. No, these are like heart issues that actually have to be worked out. He must enjoy having... Check that out. It doesn't just say he has to have people in his home. It says he Mm -hmm. must enjoy having people in his, having guests in his home. uh, And he must be able to teach. So, uh, you know, as far as the enjoy having guests part, there's a part of you that has to find um, pleasure in serving other people right? This is, this is what Jesus did, right? When he washes the disciples' feet, this is him showing what it looks like to uh, enjoy having other people over to, um, to be hospitable, <clears throat> to show that love wherever he is. Um, he must be able to teach. And that's one that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, teaching is a skill that can be taught. I think to a degree it can, the same way that public speaking can be to someone. Um, however, I do think that teaching is a gift. I mean, we see that listed in the list of gifts uh, that Paul writes earlier on, um, that it is something that is that is uh, gifted to you by the Holy Spirit. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. Again, these are uh, anger issues, self-control issues, right? So this isn't all cosmetic. And I think the problem becomes is that our judge on if the pastor will make the cut or not is nine times out of 10 cosmetic, Mm. almost literally right do they look the part um you know a a lot of people are obsessed with finding like the hip young looking pastor that's you know oh yeah i could see myself hanging out with this person on the weekends or um oh i don't want to listen to that old guy because what does he have to tell me like
1: relatable
0: relatable yeah like he should be relatable in the sense that he's human (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but like at no part of this does this say he has to be funny mm. at no part of this does it say he has to have an amazing story to open every sermon with right like it's none of that these these are all cosmetic things that we have put to the forefront and this is what causes us to put people on the pedestal because we say oh well they look the part mm. Or maybe they don't match the mold of what I thought of. This guy doesn't look like a Billy Graham who I hated. Uh, he looks like a Kanye who I really enjoy, right? So these are two different juxtapositions. And so we make this idea so cosmetic um, that we don't even use proper judgment anymore. And so now what we're getting into is is what does Jesus, well, what does God say, uh, even in looking at David? It says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart how much are we in a position to place the hearts of our pastors and our church leaders under the microscope um and i'll admit you're right some contexts are are maybe too big to do that um some people are really good at putting up a front yeah some pastors are going to seem really really good when you hang out with them but then when you get behind closed doors they're an entirely different person right um but i do think that these are things that have to be considered um what always blows my mind is like when a pastor has a fall from grace. The number of people who are around them who say, "Oh yeah, I saw that coming." <laughs> it's like, well,
1: why didn't you say
0: something? Why didn't you say something? Or why was this person allowed to stay? They're clearly not living a life above reproach. And so, please hear me when I say this. Like I said, as as someone who, um, who who is a part of you know leadership in in a church context, um, this is not by any means pointing a finger at anybody or saying. Um. Oh well. So and so should have been better or whatever. Like, listen, I understand. I am a fall from grace, just away from from like from anybody else, right? Like yeah. that sentence didn't make any sense, but everybody mm-hmm. knows what I meant. Like, you
1: are just as capable of making mistakes yes, as every other person that's a part of the church.
0: Yes, but there is a devoutness, and there is a discipline, and there is a wholehearted, sold out commitment to the faith that that peter's i'm sorry that paul is writing about here that has to be present in my life there has to be a level of integrity and character on my part that says um i am choosing to live wholeheartedly after the things that god does in, or because called me to and so i think what what paul is saying here is that because you can't see that stuff these are the ways they're going to be manifested mm-hmm. and then he kind of lists these out in these passages yeah So how do we prevent pastor worship? I think that is a big thing that walk away from, right? Because here's the thing. Asking, does your pastor make the cut? Um, We can't really do anything about that. Right. Like this is between kind of them and Jesus. And we want to make sure that that all of the signs that Paul is talking about are exhibited um, from the outside looking in. that we could see all those things. Right. That this person is a good leader of their family, that they are faithful, that they aren't um, over drinking, that they aren't angry, all this other stuff. But what do we do? I think our role in this is, you know, let's say you found a healthy church. Um, And now you have a pastor in your context and it's really easy and natural for us to put that person on a pedestal. Um, What are some practical ways that we can avoid pastor worship?
1: Mm. I think just start with remembering that they're a person just, just like you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think like, proverbial state pedestal that we put them Mm -hmm. on is not helped by like the physical stage that they're sometimes on um so just remember like that's just an elevated surface that's
0: so good i think that's so important to remember because like so for example at our church we have multiple pastors we have like small group pastors we have like teaching pastor we have lead pastor we have executive all these different pastors and usually it's the one on the platform who gets treated that way Like nobody ever sees a small group pastor and is like.
1: I'm so nervous to talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it it really is like, I mean like our worship pastors, um, you could come out and make announcements on the weekend and I'm putting you on a pedestal because you are on that physical pedestal. Mm. So just remember, it's an elevated piece of wood.
0: No that's good there's an,
1: you can actually probably stand on it yourself. I've stood on it before. <laughs> just go run up
0: there and see what happens and then, no. security just don't do that decks you don't do practical that.
1: applications run on the stage of your yeah, church
0: do not do that uh, so number one, remember our pastors are human. Yes. What else can we do to prevent pastor worship?
1: uh we can hold them accountable
0: mm. <laughs> mm. okay, do you feel like we've been doing a good job of that or we, do you feel like we have been like a little cancel culture-y. Mm. What is the difference? Let's do that.
1: Holding someone accountable is more preventative so that we don't have to get to the point of mm. canceling. Like, I, th- like okay, it, it's always the sexual sin that like comes up for some reason. It, it, it's it's like, because
0: it's the thing that we see all the time.
1: But nobody just wakes up one morning and says, I'm gonna go have an affair. Mm-hmm. At least I don't think so.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If you do go get checked, probably.
1: Um, There was probably a progression Mm -hmm. and there was probably a progression that people could have seen or like somewhere along the way, they could have said, Hey, I don't know if there's anything to this, any truth to this, but this just doesn't look healthy.
0: That's not a good look. This doesn't
1: look right. Um, I just want to check on you Mm -hmm. and not in an accusatory way, not in like a, you're going to do like, you've done this. Like, yeah, be kind, be gracious. Like, because you could go up to them and say, Hey, this looks like you're going to do this. And they're like, what are you talking about?
0: I, okay. I am so interested. This is a bit of a sidebar and I'm sorry. This is what's going to put us over the 30 minute. mark. Uh I am so interested in whatever has happened with the Matt Chandler situation. Because what it sounds like is that this is what happened, what happened, that he was being held accountable. Mm. Um, for those that don't know the story, basically what happened was, is he was approached by a woman, I mean, you can go and watch it, um, but he said that he was approached by a woman in the lobby who said, hey, I found out that a friend of mine has been DMing you on Instagram lately, and I don't... I'm not a big fan of that. Like this doesn't seem good. And so from my understanding, Matt Chandler was like, cool, we, we cut some stuff off, you know, me and my wife and her and her husband were all friends. So like, we didn't think it was a weird thing, but then the issue came down to the words that he used were, uh, uh, familiarity and frequency. Those are the two things. So it wasn't, he said, we weren't talking about anything sexual or, uh, romantic in nature. But we were talking too often and in ways that people who aren't married, probably there's there's some line of comfortability that's been crossed there. Mm. So, you know, the church puts him on a leave of absence and everybody kind of went into commentary mode about it. Preston Sprinkle, who's another pastor, I think he's out in the Oregon area, uh, I believe is having Matt Chandler in for something he's doing because he's like, yeah, I reviewed the messages and stuff and I didn't think it was that extreme. And so the, in his case, they thought church discipline went a little bit too far. Um, at least mm. some people on the outside looking in, but... I mean, how far is too far? Do you wait until something happens before you say, hey, oh man, you shouldn't have stopped it? Or did this person do the right thing? Now again, we don't know because we don't know all of the details of mm-hmm. the story, right? And for reasons that they have chose, they've kept everything pretty pretty tight sealed and under wraps. Um, as,
1: I think as they should. Yeah. I think like-
0: It's a celebrity thing, right? How much do I need to know what's going on in Matt Chandler's life?
1: You're not a part of Matt Chandler's church. I'm not.
0: I mean, I listen to him frequently and you know- Uh, admire his teaching and all this other stuff but how much do I need to be a part of that I mean I think that's a part of celebrity culture too right is this tabloid mentality of everything you do is going to be plastered all over the internet for everybody to see And
1: if I uh, I'm allowed to have an opinion and people don't have to agree with it that's why you have a
0: podcast you can say what you want (laughs) and not have anybody stop you
1: and then people can disagree with me if they want to I just won't read those comments Um, (laughs) I think the woman who brought this up to Matt Chandler if she did it in a part of a lobby that wasn't busy i think she did the right thing
0: like not making a scene not making a scene
1: yeah like if it was not if it was a quiet part of the lobby visible visible (laughs) (laughs) um where she like walked up to him and there were not other ears around that could Mm -hmm. have like eavesdropping that conversation and said hey like this has made me uncomfortable and i just think like this is going into a territory that could just be unsafe for you for the church like it sounded like someone who was was genuinely concerned yeah and that's what i mean when i say hold them accountable if you see things i think that you're if your pastor is being hospitable like they're supposed to be they're approachable you can go talk to them and you can say hey i know that
0: should have been his ticket out he should (laughs) be i was just being hospitable (laughs) just kidding
1: um I think this woman did the right thing by coming to him and saying, like, this is a concern. It may have no validity whatsoever, but it is a concern that I have. Mm. Where I think it got out of control and, like, again, we can't comment on, like, the context of other people's churches. We don't know how they operate. But, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think they needed to bring it to the congregation until it was investigated. Well, from my
0: understanding, it was. Okay. And they
1: still brought it to the congregation. Yeah.
0: Because, like, elders had made the decision by this point. From my understanding, it was like a month, two month long process before okay. he stood on stage and said.
1: Then maybe this is the model. Like if if the elders reviewed everything, which I think they should do in private before they bring it to the congregation, they evaluate it. They decide, yes, this is inappropriate. No, it's not. If it's not inappropriate, then we just put those files in the file cabinet. Easy
0: breezy lemon squeezy.
1: But they decided in the little flow chart that yes, this is inappropriate. And then Matt Chandler, who I applaud him for like getting up in front of his congregation in person and saying, hey, I did something wrong. <laughs> (laughs)
0: difficult difficult lemon, difficult
1: (laughs) yeah not easy peasy lemon squeezy anymore um like he was humble enough to like get up in front of his congregation and admit that he did something wrong which Mm -hmm. like is something that i don't think we see
0: yeah a lot well i think too is now this is just us talking (laughs) one of the big pieces of pushback that came out of his announcement was that he never said i'm sorry Mm. Uh, but I do think what he said and what he communicated well was, I don't know if he didn't say this explicitly, but from what I understood from the way he communicated it was, um, hey, I don't know if I agree with the elder's decision on this, but I'm going to take some time away and think about it. Yeah. So, you know, he doesn't lash out with bitterness. He doesn't put on any resentment or anything like that. He's just like, hey, I didn't think this was a problem. Obviously someone thinks otherwise. I'm going to go spend some time with Jesus and figure this out. And that seems, I mean, what else can you do?
1: I mean, as a pastor, you're submitted to the authority of the elders. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I think this is a good example of holding your pastor accountable, your pastor having the humility to say, I am going to step away and I'm going to go spend time with Jesus. Like what more could you ask for in a pastor who wants to go spend time with like, with jesus and recoup from this and like yeah. my prayer is that he gets to come back and continue to do the ministry that he's the the work that he's been doing Yeah, because um, i think he's done an incredible job so
0: the work is always redemption that's always what we're moving towards we yeah. want to see a person restored and we want to see them living the type of life that god has designed them to live but i just think i
1: think this like i think it's being like picked apart by a lot of people because we haven't seen this side of the scenario we've it's all, always
0: extreme measure
1: it's always been like the person got to the 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 really bad the breaking point and then we have to deal with that this was like oh we we are doing the practical application that morgan was talking about we're holding our pastor accountable and now this is what's happening but do they have a precedent like have they seen it happen
0: we are gonna have to do an episode on church discipline at some point
1: yeah, because this practical application has turned into. Yeah, we're going to have to
0: bring some people in who are smarter than us to have this conversation with. We'll call it, Matt gets, Chandler. it gets really interesting. <laughs> He's like, boy, let me tell you.
1: No, okay. <laughs> um, okay, uh, more practical application. Last thing. Last. So,
0: for a recap, because we've gone all the way around the world. This is how we do it, man. We reach this point and then we, we break the 30, 40, 50, 60 <laughs> minute mark. Uh, remember our pastors are human. Hold them accountable, but this one is probably the most important.
1: It's the most important, we should have probably started with it. But also wrapping up with it, it's probably the one you're most likely to remember. There you go. Pray for your pastor.
0: Please. Please. In the name of Jesus.
1: <laughs> Pray for your pastor. Yeah. Um, because they are human, because they need to be held accountable, mm-hmm. because they need to be encouraged in their calling to encourage their hearts
0: Because they're being requested to pray for other people all the time and they are just giving and pouring out, but not having people maybe check in on them or make Mm -hmm. sure that their souls are good. I mean, when you get exhausted, you are prone to do all sorts of things that you shouldn't do. Yeah.
1: So. And I think it's always, it's always after the fact, the breaking point that we're like, oh, we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for their family. Pray for your pastor. Man, pa- where were you at two months ago? <laughs> right. Like we should be praying for them all, like constantly. Um, Pray for your pastor's marriage and just mm. like the, <laughs> for all the YouTube people, they're, they're getting the, like the, that, that looks bad. The, um. <laughs> I
0: don't know if that looks any better.
1: The, not sanctity. That's not what I'm unity. Thinking. Unity. There you go. Yeah, just like yeah, like yeah. the unification of that marriage, mm. and just like the bold, like da, just like concrete. I don't
0: <laughs> Lord, I just pray for Pastor So and So. I pray that you would him and his wife just increase the da
1: exactly God Jesus will know heart. what you're it, you listen to this podcast like God knows my heart there and you, you just pray for it ah, oh got <laughs> it
0: cool Goes and writes it down um, I want it right now
1: I think that that's it
0: uh, that'll do it for me yeah I mean, don't have nothing else to say
1: <laughs> we may not have come to any conclusions but again conversation starter
0: that's it yeah it gives you at least one next step to work on and isn't that enough yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> One next step is always one enough. One next
0: step is always enough. Yeah, that's fantastic. For the past few weeks, we have been in a series called How to Find a Healthy Church. In week 1, we talked all about the people. What does a healthy church community look like? In week 2, we talked about the pastor. And this week, we're going to be talking about the preaching. How can we know if our churches are handling scripture and the word of God well? Well, believe it or not, the Bible actually gives us a framework for what this looks like. And so that's what we're going to be taking a look at today as we wrap up this series called How to Find a Healthy Church. Welcome to the True Discipleship Podcast.
1: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the True Discipleship Podcast. My name is Morgan.
0: And I'm Erin.
1: And we just want to say welcome to either your first episode or to another episode of the True Discipleship Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to come and hang out with us. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcast, uh, we would love it if you would leave us an honest five-star review. Uh, and if you are checking us out on YouTube, it would mean the world to us. If you hit subscribe, like this video and leave us a comment down in the comment section, we promise by the end of this episode, we'll have asked for some sort of like comment with like, a some sort of like discussion topic that sounds so formal. Um, but we'll ask something that we would love to, uh, get your feedback in the comments. And And
0: even if we don't just let us know what stands out to you. What, what parts of the conversation do you find uh, valuable and important? And uh, yeah, we would love to get back with you on that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, we, we're small now, so we can respond uh, to those comments. But the fun thing is, is that it'll just come from like our page. So you won't know if it's me or Aaron responding to your comment.
0: Yeah, I'll probably pretend to be you a lot, <laughs> but it's fine.
1: Yeah. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, I, I just want to kick us off with why are we talking about this?
0: Yeah. Um, man, what a huge question, right? Can your church handle the Bible? Um, I love that because I feel like it's, uh, I don't know about you, but it kind of makes me defensive mm-hmm. <laughs> at first glance. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, yeah, of course my, my church can handle the Bible.
1: Look at me handling the Bible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but when we say handle, what we're talking about is, is it's kind of twofold. On one hand, we're talking about, are you able to handle it in the same way that, um, when you give a teenager new responsibilities, you're asking them, can you handle this? Mm. Uh, are you emotionally, are you mentally, and are you spiritually well enough or healthy enough in a place to handle, uh, honestly, the hard truths that the Bible presents to us a lot of times? Um, most people don't have an issue with the easy, quote-unquote, fluffy parts of the Bible, that are the encouraging Bible verses that, you know, your grandma has stitched on a pillow somewhere. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff in there that that we don't really know what to do with well as as, as a church. Um, and so that kind of brings up the other side of it is, is does your church context handle it in the sense of, uh, is it doing the word of God justice? Uh, which feels, you know, pretty impossible <laughs> it's the <laughs> word of god so yeah. even our best attempts to try to make it make sense and have conversations around it and stuff are always going to fall short uh but what i mean by that is is are we giving it its due diligence is it when it's presented is it presented well when it's studied is it studied well is it is it given uh, in full context is the full counsel of the bible uh um uh considered or um is it just kind of butchered to, to make it into whatever it is that, that we want it to look like, you know? And so that's those are kind of the two things that we're gonna be talking about in this conversation.
1: So that's the what that we're gonna talk about, but there, there's always a why behind any conversation that we have on the podcast. We always have a why. We feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had and needs to be had right now. Um, and I think if we look at what's going on in the church right now, we see a lot of people deconstructing, or this movement towards progressive Christianity. And um, that's definitely, for me, I feel like a scary place to be.
0: But why? Like, <laughs> progressive sounds like a good thing. Shouldn't it, we be making progress?
1: Yes. Yes, progress sounds good, but that doesn't translate to my Christian life. Like, I don't, mm. I don't carry that um, same, min- well, to a point. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, clarify. Story time. Um, I think there is a safe place to ask, why do we do certain things? But when I say a safe place, Mm -hmm. there needs to be somebody who understands the Bible and the context Mm -hmm. and why we do the things that we do.
0: I think that's where deconstruction can be a good thing. Okay, I say deconstruction can be a good thing in the same way that I say progress is a good thing. Uh, I do not think that deconstruction in and of itself is the answer. I do not think that progressive Christianity in and of itself is the answer. What I do think, though, is that uh, when we look at our lives, we have to be able to deconstruct in the sense of what is it that I'm not doing correctly? But then there has to come a reconstruction. And the question at that point yes. becomes, well, what am I using as the metric in which I'm reconstructing my life, in which I'm building up my life, right? Uh, I love John Mark Comer. He's the author of Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He has a video or a sermon that he did on deconstruction. And uh he he, it was actually an interview and the way he said it was so I never thought about this way, but he's like Matthew five through seven, Jesus's sermon on the mount is deconstruction. Oh you saying this way he's saying you used to think this way but I'm telling you this is actually what life is all about. So in that sense, every Christian is called to a life of making progress of, oh, yeah, once I was dead, but now I'm alive. Once I was blind, but now I see. Um, but we are not to think that, oh, the the, the Bible had it wrong. Uh, we can do a better job. Uh, the Bible is outdated. It's old. It shouldn't be. Its, it's, it's interpretation is up to us. Um, and unfortunately, that's what we see happening in a lot of church communities today.
1: Yeah, it's that comma, but like when you talk about deconstruction, everything I've seen for deconstruction has just been deconstruction and there's never been the reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you building back up? Because you like take it all down and then you start to insert your own stuff and you're like, well, this is I believe this. So that's what I'm going to put back in the place of something that was biblically founded. And, And that's when it gets scary and it gets messy.
0: So what do we do about that? What do we do when we, or better yet, a question is, is how can we tell if our churches are healthy in the sense that they are adhering to uh, the purpose of the gospel, uh, the purpose of the word of God, and that they're handling it correctly and well? Well, thankfully for us, the Bible actually tells us exactly um, what the Bible's job is and how it should be lived out in our community. So let's take a look at it. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at a passage. Uh that's actually kind of closely related to the passage we looked at in last week's episode. Um but this time instead of being in 1 Timothy, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. Um we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3:16. I always remember where this passage is. When I was in youth group, we did a series called like the other 3:16s. Mm-hmm. And it was like John 3:16, the one that everybody knows, but like there are other ones that are really important. Um and this is one of them. Um And I think this is actually really cool. But actually let's let's backtrack. Um just a little bit. I want to go back to verse fourteen. So this is still Paul. Paul is writing to Timothy, who is again as a young church leader. Uh, I believe he's in Ephesus at the time, and he's actually charging him as a as a a, a pastor, as an elder for this church, um, on how to faithfully handle the word of God. So we're just going to go ahead and read it and then we'll just go through and unpack it. Um, and cause there's plenty in here. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know, they're true for, you know, you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Um, so just initial thoughts. What stands out to you in there?
1: That we could read that verse and in the episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: probably so, right? I mean, this definitely talks about the role of scripture in the life of a believer. Um, I think that, yeah, but I, I think that there's a a perspective shift that comes in this. Um there's something that the Bible inherently does inherently, excuse me, inherently does by itself uh, unless we look at it otherwise, unless we look at it a certain way. And so yeah, what is to say that a church is handling the Bible well? I think it's accomplishing all the things that that the the preaching is accomplishing all the things that this passage says it was. Is there anyone particularly that stands out to you or any sort of any point in there?
1: Yeah, um I think we oftentimes want to walk away from a sermon on a sunday morning feeling just good like Mm. filled up just warm on the inside like oh life is great uh but there is a part in this that says to make us realize what is wrong in our lives and that's not that's not fun that No, it, it's not fun. It's it's the ick that we yep. refer to. Uh, when we get uncomfortable, we feel... Um, oh my goodness, what is that word? Convicted. Convicted, there we go. <laughs> when we feel convicted about mm. something, we call conviction the ick, I'm pretty sure. In like every context that we've ever yeah. said, that makes me feel icky. <laughs> it's been conviction. Um, yeah, like being like pointing out what is wrong in your life and not what is wrong in the sense of like these things aren't as good as they should be. Like, oh, your like house isn't as nice. Yeah, Yeah, like, you know, your house isn't as nice as it should Mm -hmm. be or you're not driving the newest car. Like, I don't think- Yeah,
0: the Bible's not roasting you.
1: No, no. It's saying like what is wrong in our lives? Like where in our lives are we not- aligned with the heart of jesus yeah where
0: are we sinful where are things not in accordance with the way that god designed it to be and i think that is huge Uh, i think so many people feel like there's an issue with calling out sin Mm. but that is the purpose of the scripture so in theory if you are preaching the scripture there's going to be calling out sin is a natural part of the process uh I, i always think about it this way i always think about john the baptist i feel so you want to talk about the ick I feel the <laughs> ick whenever I read anything about John the Baptist because his whole message is repent for the kingdom of God is near. And I feel the ick because I always imagine the guy standing on the street corner with a bullhorn and like doing the turn or burn message. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what John the Baptist looks like for me in my mind. But the truth is is that John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus. He was foretold that he would do this and clearly obviously was giving this message and was doing it the way that he was supposed to be doing it. So I always wonder like, man, would John the Baptist... Would the other apostles, would Jesus be allowed to teach in my church? Or would we say, oh, they're too exclusive? Or they're too um uh too uh Extreme. Extreme, too harsh. They're not loving enough, right? Here's the thing. You know how you always have those times where you invite a friend to church and you're like super <laughs> nervous about what they're gonna say? Could you imagine inviting your friend to church and John the Baptist is preaching that day, or the apostle <laughs> Paul is preaching that day? Like that's ins- like, I can I would probably feel so uncomfortable. And the question is why? Like, why are we uncomfortable by the truth and the weight of scripture? I think to your point, it should make us uncomfortable in the sense of there's this dis-ease that uh, there's something in my soul that isn't right. Uh, there is some sort of harmony with God in my soul that isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there should be a natural sort of discomfort that or spiritual discomfort that comes from that. Uh, but we shouldn't feel Uncomfortable by the truth, like of people hearing the truth.
1: This might get us off topic, and I'm sorry. But do you think that the teaching of today has lost the sense of urgency?
0: 100%.
1: I mean, John the Baptist, like, Jesus was born. Yeah. So John the Baptist was like, yeah, I got to prepare the way because he's like 10 days behind me. Mm -hmm. Whereas now...
0: No, this, there's so much truth to this, and I don't even think you—I re- think it's important to, to recognize how much biblical perspective comes into the messages that were given. Uh, so, for example, John the Baptist. Uh, for example, Paul, um, any of the apostles, when they start talking about, um, hey, Jesus is coming back soon, they thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime.
1: Mm.
0: there was a sense of urgency of like, yo, last time Jesus said he was leaving, he was only gone for three days and he's back. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, we don't know how long Jesus is going to be gone. So there was definitely a sense of urgency to their message. Um, you even look at John's language, the kingdom of God is near. He's saying it's, 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 it's closer than you think it is. So let's live and move towards that sort of thing. Um, I think it's even interesting when you consider biblical perspectives to look at what paul is telling timothy in this verse um he says in verse 14 you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught past tense then he says you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood now what's interesting about that is is that this this is the bible like second timothy is Mm -hmm. in the bible (laughs) so everything that paul is talking about to timothy The larger majority of it, uh, I would love to look at like timelines, and I'm sorry for not doing more research about this coming into the episode. I didn't know we were going to get to this point, but a lot of what what Timothy would have had to read was the Old Testament. Mm Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been the New Testament. It wouldn't have been the letters to these different churches and all this other stuff, right? I mean, some of them may have passed through Timothy's hands, but for the majority of it, it was all the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is the part that, at least today, the modern church, we have a big problem with. (laughs) That's the part that uh, I would say progressive uh, Christianity feels the need to um, try to whitewash or to get rid of or do away with because, oh, those ideas are so antiquated and so old and all this other stuff. No, this this was Timothy's Bible. In in And look at what he says in verse 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. So he's saying all of it, which at that time was only a portion of it. Even the parts we don't like is useful towards doing all these things.
1: Yeah, this is totally silly. Um, the All the genealogy that is written yeah. in the Bible, I'm just like, there, I was I was literally sitting down reading uh, Acts
0: mm-hmm.
1: yesterday, John?
0: Luke. Luke. You were in Luke.
1: Ah, thank you. <laughs> you can tell
0: how much you retained.
1: <laughs> I was in Luke and I turned the page and it was so-and-so, but got so-and-so. And I was like, God, please show me how this is useful. Yeah. How this is good and useful. And then I need like that this is included in the Bible yeah. and I need to read it. Did you
0: get there? I'm just curious. Um, did you figure out why no we'll talk about it off air i i (laughs) do know why that's in there because i've asked that question myself as well but i think that that's a part of handling the text right it's a part of handling the bible well Is trying to figure out okay god i trust that your word is true and i trust that there is value in it for me um and so uh i'm going to do the work now this is where the healthy church part comes in this is where the community of faith comes in because We're the True Discipleship Podcast. (laughs) So I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that everyone listening to this is uh, either a disciple of Jesus or is considering following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, We often as individuals don't do a great job of handling the Bible well. When I say that, um, this is a, a, I admit it's a blanket statement that I know is not true of everyone. But I think a large majority, I'm sure you could look up statistics on just Bible literacy and all this other stuff. Uh, But I think a large majority of us, and I know I did for a very long time of my faith, relied on what does the church tell me the Bible means to be the be all end all. And I never sought things out for myself. I never questioned things for myself. I never tried to figure out, okay, but why is that true or what does that mean? And it's so much. It's a big part of my story. I don't remember if I've shared this on the podcast before or not. If I have, I'm sorry. Uh, but I know for me, I remember there was one time I had someone ask me, "Hey, is God good?" And I said, "Yeah." And they said, "Well, why?" And I didn't have an answer for it because all I had been, all I had known of my experience with God was what Pastor So and So said on the stage, and I'd never gotten a chance to interact with and experience myself. And so, if the Bible is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword. Um, Man, if you don't interact with that yourself, you're not going to have that, right? You're not going how to know to, how to feed and withhold yourself. However, if you were looking for a healthy church, it is so important to make sure that they are prioritizing handling scripture well and that they're living it out well. I think in order for us to figure out is a church handling scripture well? I think your church should be accomplishing the same things that scripture should accomplish. So, for example, if scripture has a a goal or if it has certain things that it does, as Timothy you know, as uh, Paul is laying out here in Timothy, uh, then the byproduct of spending time in that thing should be evident in our lives, right? It should be the the fruit that kind of bears out. So I think if you're trying to figure out, am I at a healthy church? I think you kind of look at verses 16 and 17 as a, as a a bit of a checklist um, Mm -hmm. for lack of better terms, the same way that we looked at the qualifications of a pastor on last episode. We look at this says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So, the ick that you've mentioned. When you listen to a sermon at your church, if you want to question, is this biblically sound? Uh, I think you have to ask yourself, is is it useful? Does it teach me what's true? And does it help me realize what's wrong in my life? I think that's a really, really good place to start. Um, I think, and then you just kind of go down through the rest of the verse, right? It corrects us when we were wrong and teaches us to do what's right. This is where I think the church has made some, I think, healthy progress. I think for so long, the church was kind of like a, uh, we're going to uh, tell you where you're wrong, mm. but we're not going to teach you what to do right. Or we're not going to teach you what is right, rather, right? Because it's not about doing, but it's it's we haven't done a great job historically, I feel, of saying um, this is what's right. It, it was a lot of you're a sinner, you're going to hell, all this stuff, but there was never an alternative. There was no hope. And I think that that healthy teaching around scripture actually does accomplish these things. And then finally, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When you leave church, do you feel empowered to do every good work? Do you feel this sense of God is calling me into something bigger? Um, And if not, then maybe your church isn't handling scripture correctly. If every time that you hear a sermon, you walk away thinking, I'm the best i'm just so good i'm incredible i there's you know uh i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing and then one day i'm gonna get blessed and i don't have to change anything about my life there's no sacrifice of surrender that has to happen in my life there's no uh handing things over to god that has to happen in my life i'm just gonna keep on keeping on and keeping the faith and things are gonna be good does that sound like second timothy three sixteen through 17 <laughs>
1: You just opened up a whole nother can of worms. We don't have time to get actually <laughs>
0: go ahead and listen back to one of our old episodes. We we got into this verse. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find it. Yeah, we talked about this early on. I believe it's either in like episode one or episode two. It's at the very beginning. So go back and listen to those previous ones. We actually do dive into that verse a little bit and we talk about that idea. But man, he, this is so spot on. All right. So we're going to, this is our favorite part. We always like to figure out, okay, we've talked about this stuff. How do we, how do we actually live it out now? Um, And so you have a couple of, a couple of suggestions about that.
1: (laughs) I do. Yeah. So the first thing is that you can fact check the teaching that you hear. No one is telling you that you have to take exactly what the teacher has said to you as like the end all be all. Um, Can I add something to that? I don't think it ever should be no
0: like if you're not unpacking these things you're like in a small group or like man let's not leave the message on the shelves like when we hear that i mean if this stuff is useful to do what second timothy says is useful to do who are we to just let it go in one ear and out the other right we should be soaking ourselves in that at least for the week Um, and trying to figure out how it applies to our lives.
1: Yeah, wow. I just thought of like seven more practical applications just from the sentence you said. So in these practical applications, I'm already making the assumption that people take notes during church. And I don't know that that's a fair assumption to make. I think some people just like show up and listen. And if you have a great memory, awesome. more power to you yeah like if i go see a movie by the end of it i don't remember how it started
0: i taught this morning and i barely remember what i said
1: and you run over that so run over it sounds like you're like driving a car over you like practice that and you talk like you talk through it so many times and you still don't remember and for us to like hear a message once and I, i just don't think like just listening is the best way to retain a message.
0: For, uh studies show that people remember 10% of what they hear. Wow. 10% of what they hear. 20% of what they read, 80% of what they see. So mm. even still if all you're doing is listening to the message without really soaking into it, um also i did just like actually look that up speaking of fact checking i just looked it up so <laughs> if you heard the clickety clack on my laptop that's what that was but did yeah. those
1: percentages compound like 10 retain- percent retention for hearing plus 80 percent if i see um,
0: it i just looked the little blurb <laughs> that came up i didn't really fact check i googled and then mm. i looked at the first result that came up but i, I i've heard this stat before um <laughs> yeah Uh, But then there's like a myth buster that said that people only retain 20%. Here you go. You don't need Google to tell you. Can you remember the message you heard two weeks ago? Can you remember everything we talked about in the last podcast episode if you didn't just listen to it an hour ago?
1: Mm.
0: Probably not. So that's just, it's human nature.
1: Okay, so let me insert like a couple practical applications that I was making the assumption were happening, but maybe they're not. You're taking notes or whether that be pen and paper on your phone, or um, I think like being able to go back and listening to recordings of a message counts as like taking notes. Like the ability to rerun over something Mm. um, gets me to the point of you should fact check the things that you're hearing in any sort of teaching. Um, There's a great example of this in Acts when uh, Paul and Silas are Mm. uh, with the Bereans and they, um, I'm just gonna read it. they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Fact check. The and things that you hear. <laughs> was, and
0: can we just talk about it? That was because they had a level of reverence and respect for themselves. There was a part of them that says, listen, we're not just gonna listen to what anybody tells us. But we, if the gospel is the most important message the world has ever known, that isn't something that we can put in someone else's hands. That's something that we should own. Mm. Um, I mean, this is the reason why we go to church. We don't go to church just so we can hear one person say some stuff. It's so that we can have a community that we live these things out with and practice these things with and talk through these things with. Um, so yeah, I would say I would also add to that if I can, uh, I would say don't just do it by yourself either Mm. because we're all prone to make mistakes. We're all prone to just need help navigating through some things Uh, the truth is is that if you're taking notes when you listen to a sermon you're probably gonna make a note of something that um maybe doesn't make a ton of sense to you but you want it to make more sense Mm -hmm. don't just limit yourself to you you're a part of the community of believers i mean i would say if you're in a context where you're allowed like i would not say allowed um if you're in a context where you're able um easily to ask your pastor hey what did you mean by that thing then do it that's that's what all this up is there for
1: when you take notes and you are fact-checking, you're going and you're looking at the context and you're making sure like this scripture was handled properly in the teaching that I heard, um, you can call out false teaching. And I think that goes back to our previous episodes where, um, when I say call out that, I feel like that sounds so like,
0: stand up in church and point your <laughs> point a finger at the stage and
1: yeah Heretic. like you are not treating the scripture properly um that sounded i have so, heard
0: stories of that happening before oh wow yeah in church settings
1: wow um i'm on
0: the fence about it
1: <laughs> i'm I always just, like
0: a good ruffle into the feathers
1: <laughs> what would you do if someone stood up in the middle of one of like you teaching and said that
0: in that situation i would genuinely probably be like can you explain yourself I really, I really, I shouldn't say that because now somebody's going to do it.
1: (laughs) Too many people we go to church would listen to this uh, podcast and somebody's going to stand up and be like, you, it's going to be me the next time you teach. I'm just going to stand up and be like, you are missing. Heresy. (laughs) You're missing. I hope your voice sounds
0: just like the heresy. It's like the mortal combat guy. It's like the opposite
1: of, of, uh, taking in helium. I need the like, other stuff to make it, like, <laughs> make it. Yeah. Make, make it, it di- deeper. Okay. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> what are we talking
1: about? <laughs> uh, when you are being diligent about, um, fact checking and making sure that the scripture is being handled properly when you're listening to teaching, um, it sets you up well to, to call out that's, mm-hmm. you know, to point out false teaching. Um, in Galatians, it says to do so humbly and with grace. Yeah. I don't think standing up in the middle of a nah. sermon is humble or graceful. That's a good so. way to
0: get thrown out. <laughs> I mean, real talk, like, yeah. Um Yeah, unless it's something like absolutely egregious. I oh, don't know, man. Jesus flipped over tables. I think you can stand up <laughs> and shout. I'm sorry. I'm adding fuel to fires, but Yeah. <laughs> no that's actually really good i have a friend who lives in texas and a part of him finding his church was uh he heard something i think in like one of the first messages that he had either i don't remember if he was there in person or if he had heard it online and he emailed the pastor about it later that week and he's a pastor as well um it's kind of like in between jobs so he wasn't like on staff at a church at the time but he emailed the pastor and was like hey listen you said this and I don't think that's a proper understanding of this passage. Here's what I what I actually think, you know, looking at proper context and all this other stuff. And the, the guy emailed him back. I, I, he either emailed him or called him back and said, hey, thank you so much for saying something about this. Can we get coffee and talk about it more? And guess which church he goes to now? That one. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, if that story doesn't encapsulate everything we've been talking about the last three episodes, I don't know what does. All right, we're getting a little long here. Let's go ahead and move on to number three. Number three: practical application.
1: You should be able to ask yourself three questions and answer them when you finish hearing a message. I was going to leave it at you should be able to ask yourself three questions. Well, you can ask yourself any question. I could have wrote, "What color is the sky?" on this, and you can ask yourself that question, but you should be able to ask it and answer it as a result of oh, what good. of what you just mm-hmm. uh, what you just heard. Yep. What is true? Slash good slash right. Mm-hmm. What am I doing wrong? How is this preparing and equipping me to do good work? Yep. I literally just rewrote <laughs> no, Second Timothy. I, I
0: didn't realize. You know, it's so great to see when we're on the same brainwave. We can use a recap because people only uh, retain ten percent of what they hear, and some people are only retaining that statement for the very first time. This is but very meta. Over you here, were Ola.
1: you were so holy earlier, and you were like, it's. For second timothy first timothy what did we second read? timothy <laughs> um yeah and then yeah. i was like no i'm going to rewrite it i'm going to put it in my own words but that is man another practical application sometimes putting things in your own words really helps you retain information better than just straight copying mm. somebody else's words yeah
0: So here we go. The three things that you can walk away with from this episode is one, fact check your teaching. Take a note from Acts chapter 17 of Paul and Silas and Berea. Uh, Number two, um, call out false teaching humbly and with grace. And then number three, uh, which is actually technically number one, uh, you should be able to ask yourself the questions. Um, compare the messages that you hear um, to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17 and saying, did this message accomplish those things uh, because that will help you understand whether or not the message was a biblical one. So I think that's going to wrap things up for this series that we've been in on how to find a healthy church. And man, we really hope that's been helpful for you. We've had a lot of really great conversations with people in passing um, that we've seen out and about who have been listening to these episodes. Uh, and it's just sparked really good conversation. We want to have conversation with you as well. So uh, if you are watching on YouTube, feel free to go ahead and throw a, a comment down in the comment box below. Uh, but also, I realize that this is one of those things that can be a little unsettling for some people. Um, maybe it causes you to question or just kind of reevaluate where God has you right now. And so if we can be there to pray with you, um, we want to we want to be able to do that as well. So I would say uh, probably the three best ways to get in touch with us, if that's the case, if you want to uh, reach out to us privately, would be to send us a DM either on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, but you can also email us as well at True Discipleship 2021 at gmail.com. Uh, Listen, those DMs, those emails, they don't do anything for our analytics and we don't care. We just know that if you need prayer, we want to be here to pray with you because we love you and we care for you and we want to be a community with you. Um, so, yeah, so that's that. Now, what does help out analytics <laughs> is if this has been helpful for you, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, go ahead and like, leave us a f- honest five star review. Uh, if you are watching us, us on YouTube, uh, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. It doesn't take any time. It's free. And if you would have done it, you'd be done by now. So uh, go ahead and hit that. We love you guys. And uh, we will not be back next week with a new episode. But we do have some exclusive content coming to YouTube um between now and when we release the next podcast episode so be sure to check that out and also if you watch us stay tuned because when we come back in a couple of weeks we might have a new podcast set up oh yeah a new visual set so (laughs) make sure you're on youtube catch all the fun wild wacky stuff going on over there (laughs) www.youtube.com um that's all i got
1: yeah uh, i was just gonna say we're not gonna get a new set design every three weeks
0: we are not No. Lower your expectations, people. (laughs) Hey, we love you. We're so glad you chose to join us here. My name is Aaron. And I'm Morgan. Thanks for listening to the True Discipleship Podcast. No way. Did you really make it to the end of this episode? Not only is it the longest episode we've ever put out, but it's probably also the most useless episode we've ever put out. So, man, thanks. You could have gone back and just listened to the first three, but you didn't. You sat through this long one. Maybe you listened to the first three and listened to this all one. Hmm. You deserve a prize. How about a cookie? Cup of coffee? Hey, listen, if you were listening to this right now, go to one of our YouTube videos and leave the comment, I want my cookies and coffee. And we will personally Venmo you money for your cookie and coffee for you sitting through the most repetitive, redundant, arguably unnecessary episode of the podcast that we ever put out. What are you still doing here? I'm just kidding. That's that thing from Ferris Bueller that I've always wanted to do. Hey, we love you guys. Thanks so much. Seriously, though, about the coffee and cookie thing.